right, everybody, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Recording this only audio, uh, having trouble with my camera tonight, kind of having trouble with my setup on the StreamYard for whatever reason. So I wanted to be able to get out an episode. I'm sorry that it's not going to be on the YouTube channel, but uh, given everything that's that's also been going down over the course of this last week, I feel like I could be given a reprieve if possible. No, it's... Uh, I'll try to get it set up and, and make sure that the video is up going forward. But recording this on Monday, October 16th at 11 p.m. Uh, today has been a full day. Today's been a, a long day for sure. And it's been a good day. If you don't know, I released a new podcast called The Alley Oop with Ryan Blackburn. And the premise of this show, if you haven't seen it on Twitter or YouTube, make sure to go check it out on those those platforms for sure, but also on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, The premise of the show is a national podcast, but it's going to be a national podcast with local talent. And what I mean by that is generally what I've seen with other shows that are local, kind of like mine, a pickaxe and roll is sometimes like your depth is really good. The content is really good for one team, but you can miss the bigger picture. With the national shows, you get the bigger picture because you you have to pay attention to everything or as much as you possibly can, but some of the details will slip through the cracks and you miss out on some stories that should be told throughout the regular season. Kind of like what was going on with the Nuggets where we we saw a lot of... uh, general national podcasts that were like, oh, I'm not sure if we believe in the Nuggets last year, when if you were listening to the local show, and you obviously do, then you would know that the Nuggets are legit, and you know that they have that gear, and they showed that gear. So I decided to combine the two concepts, and I decided to put a local, local level of content on a national scale. Local voices on a national scale is kind of how I'm branding the alley-oop. And I got 30 different contributors that cover one team specifically in a kind of a roundtable format, basically, a divisional format where every week there will be two episodes. Tuesdays, I'll talk to one person and we'll go through the the normal national topics, uh, whatever's trending at that point, whatever's important. Maybe there's a trade. Maybe a team is playing really well. We'll talk about those things. But then on a rotating scale, I'm going to be checking in with these individual contributors. And I'm calling them correspondents. And boy, do I have some great correspondents for this list. Guys like Tony Jones of The Athletic, Caitlin Cooper of uh, Basketball She Wrote covering the Indiana Pacers, Danny Morang uh, for the Trailblazers, uh, Esfandiar Barahini of uh, for covering Toronto like there, there's just so many awesome names and I, I'm missing like 26 of them including Brendan Vote over at DNVR uh, but I'm going to be talking with those folks individually by division every six weeks or so and what that's going to allow is these check-ins for every single team being able to talk and have an in-depth conversation about specific teams throughout the year I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun, going to be a lot of work, but I am ready for it. And I am excited to see where it goes from here. The response online was so good already. And I'm I'm very happy. I'm very hopeful for what it ultimately turns into. So we will see what happens, but 
I just wanted to lead off this podcast by talking about that other show. I'm going to try to avoid promoting the alley-oop a ton on this show because this is for the Nuggets. This is for Nuggets fans, but just know that this is another show that I'm going to be doing twice a week, and the content is going to be spectacular. So I hope you, if you value my work personally, like this is something that I believe could sustain me and to sustain my career for a long, long time. I believe in this vision, but the only way that it kind of comes through is if I get the support from the audiences and I get the support from fans. So if you listen to this show, go subscribe or go follow The Alley-Oop with Ryan Blackburn and just listen to a couple of the episodes as they come out across this week. See what you think. See what you like. See what you don't like. Give me your thoughts. Give me your give me your notes. And I will make the necessary changes to craft the best show nationally for local audiences. That's my goal. So if you are excited for it, please let me know. I have been putting so much work into this thing and there's so much more to come. So thank you so much for listening to my diatribe. Uh, It's already five minutes into this podcast and I haven't said anything about the, the nuggets. So Let's do a couple of points before we hit a break. The game that I missed and the reason why I'm recording this on audio, I had some technical issues. I had technical issues dating back to Sunday night and and also this Monday night. I'm recording this Monday night. Tried to go live earlier tonight. Did not work. Uh, But I am recording this on the audio side and I wanted to talk about Jokic, Murray and Gordon. We'll start with those guys specifically in this first segment. Murray looks as good as I've ever seen him. He's probably not like hitting as many threes as you would hope for at this stage. And there are some moments defensively where I've been like, eh, that's, it could, could be better. But, but the actual athleticism and playmaking that he's putting on display over the course of this past week have been great. It has been fantastic. And to see him play the way that he did this last game especially, was very, very important. He went against Ayo Dosumu, Torrey Craig, Javon Carter, guys like that for most of the evening. They didn't have Kobe White guarding him, but they wouldn't want to. Uh, and those guys like those guys are good defenders. Those guys are physical, good, talented defenders that, that he was facing. He wasn't facing Alex Caruso, but he was facing basically everybody else on a good perimeter-defending Chicago Bulls team. And he torched it. Just absolutely torched it. Getting to the free throw line 10 times for Murray is nuts. That's something he's never done before. I was talking with somebody, I think it was Vinny Benedetto, who I'm now sitting next to at the at the Nuggets games. And, we, and you should also go listen to our episode that we recorded a, a couple of days ago. He said that Murray had only averaged like 3.5 free throws per game in this last year coming back from the torn ACL. And it makes sense because he wasn't getting all the way to the rim. He wasn't super confident on that knee yet, on that leg yet. And that's to be expected. It's not not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. But it was still a good sign to see him get to the free throw line 10 times tonight. Uh, or n- not tonight, on, on Sunday night. I'm going to go back through and I'm going to go check his game logs to see how many times last year he hit 10 free throw attempts in a game. Nothing crazy, just 
10. 10 is, 10 is a, a number. Oh, he hit it zero times. Zero times last season. The last regular season when he was fully healthy, he got to the free throw line a max of nine times. Ten free throw attempts is the most he's ever done. And it was because he was getting to his spots athletically and quickly and putting the defense on its back. And they were or on their heels, more specifically. And he was attacking, and he was pacing well, and he was setting the table for himself and others extremely well. And the passing has gotten a lot of the attention, as it should, by the way. He's becoming one of the better passers in the entire NBA with the reads that he's making. But now you add getting to the free throw line, getting downhill, getting to his spots, hitting all his shots. Like, he was one of five from three. And that's not great. Like, you, you could definitely see him doing better than that going forward. But it could be worse. Like, what he's doing right now is, is tremendous. And it's just very impressive to see what he's done so far and to see how he has played in this preseason. I do think that he's at the best place that he's ever been. And I'm looking forward to seeing whether it can progress from here. Five of six inside the arc, eight of 10 at the free throw line. Five assists, zero turnovers. Needs to be improved on on the defensive end. Needs to be improved spacing the floor. He'll get to those. Those will be fine. And then Jokic. I thought it was very interesting watching Andre Drummond specifically. Andre Drummond was in hell for most of the game on Sunday. Just just in absolute agony trying to guard Jokic. The first play, he hits that Sombor shuffle where he dribbled the ball off of his knee and kind of scuffed the dribble over and over again until he was kind of dribbling it towards the baseline and decided, ah, I'll just sombor this. Nothing but the bottom. Because that's just what he does. It's hilarious what he does. And it's really cool to see him kind of get back to that place. Led the starters in plus minus. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. And there are some things I think he could do better. Like he, he allowed some late offensive rebounds in that third quarter. Uh, he allowed an and one. He had a couple of fluky fouls that I don't think that he would have gotten in general in the regular season or, or certainly in the playoffs uh, if his, if he's fully engaged. But the touch is there. Six of nine from the field, one of three from three. Two of five from the line is the one thing that you could be concerned about. But free throws for him have also have always been a focus thing. And he's generally 80% from the line or better when he is focused. So I'm not really concerned about that, but just watch out for that in the future. And then Aaron Gordon. The three-man game between those three, Murray, Jokic, Gordon, has had some amazing sequences so far in the early going. Most of them have been Murray to Jokic to Gordon, but there's been Murray to Gordon to Jokic. There has been Jokic to Murray to Gordon. There has been... uh, Jokic to Gordon to Murray. And there have been a lot of times where those guys have worked together, whether it's screening for each other, whether it's cutting back door, whether it's putting pressure on the rim and then lobbing it over the top. So many ways that Gordon has improved tremendously. Getting to the free throw line seven times, making five of them. If he was five of seven from the line every game, that'd be so tremendous. That would be so helpful for the Nuggets because it gets you some easy points and even if he's only shooting it's 71%, fine. That's that's an improvement over what he had last year. So I think that would be great for him. I think that would be great for the Nuggets. 
and it probably helps that he didn't really have anybody to guard. Although Patrick Williams, good Lord, Patrick Williams looked great in this last game and, and he deserves a ton of credit for his overall development. He's going to be very good for the Bulls this year. Uh, but I do think that what Gordon has accomplished with this Nuggets team over the course of this last two plus years that he's been here, it's been tremendous. He is a night and day different player, but you could see the vision back then and what he has developed into. It's probably even better than anybody could have hoped for. So really nice to see. And I'm glad that he has become this for the Nuggets because he could have become this kind of player for another team. Imagine he goes to the Warriors or a team like that and takes over for a guy like Draymond Green down the line. Him setting the table for Steph and Clay and Wiggins and Looney and guys like that, he'd be an even better, or maybe not better, but like his facilitating would have developed there too. And it, that would be a tough matchup for the Nuggets if they had to go through a team that also had Aaron Gordon on it. So I'm glad that he's a Nugget. Like he is a Nugget through and through now. And I hope he retires in the Nuggets uniform. When we come back, we are going to chat about the bench lineup. Nothing better. Uh, this this lineup has been tremendous, obviously. And it is a very, very interesting place that the Nuggets are at. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing what we can do for them going or what the what that bench is going to evolve into going forward. But first, everybody, why would you bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, why don't you try your hand with the local book? Superbook Sports this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. They're just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to 250 bucks when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code MILEHIGH. So make sure to bet with the best and use the promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Sorry, this one isn't going up on YouTube. Uh, it just uh, the camera and there's some there's some stuff with my connection on my computer. Ever since I put like fifteen thousand gigs of data onto my um, onto my computer with the podcast that I'm doing, the video podcast that I'm doing, trying to upload in the best quality possible, and that just takes up a lot of space. So I wonder if uh, I wonder if that's causing some of the problems. But who knows? Maybe it's just the hardware failing me. I'll try again tomorrow. Let's talk about the bench, and we probably should start with Julian Strother, of course. It's hard not to start with Julian Strother with the way that he has played and the way that he continues to progress right before our very eyes. 23 points last night, 8 of 15 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 3 of 4 from the line. I thought he had 25. I think the box score was wrong. Uh, some Something happened, but it was very interesting to see the way that he progressed and the way that he has continued to look better and better as the as the week has gone on. He is a different player now than where he was at at Summer League. I, I don't know 
what has happened. I'm very curious to see what the development track for him looked like in the Nuggets gym over the summer, but he's a guy that basically never left Denver. Uh, John Beckett and uh, like the other guys, and Stephen Graham, of course, uh, those guys are fantastic on the player development side of the Nuggets coaching staff and, and the overall roster. They do a great job and, and have a lot of success stories when it comes to young players developing into great ones. Uh, but Julian Strother, I mean, <laughs> take a bow. He is still, I think, like there, there are some things that he's doing well outside of just scoring. But the scoring, just looking at the box score, it stands out. 23 points, one rebound, zero assists, zero steals, one block, one turnover. Now, he was a plus 12, and I made this point when talking to a couple of other folks. And I think when I when I talked about him on the first Chicago Bulls game, is that usually when you have a gunner, usually that guy is a negative in the plus minus because there are other factors of their game that don't really help them. That whether it's the, the shots that they're taking or the defense that they're lacking, or maybe they're turning the ball over, things like that. Strother hasn't really done much of that. This is maybe his first turnover, his second turnover of the entire preseason when he's played a whole bunch of minutes. He hasn't been a turnover issue. The Nuggets turned the ball over just like 10 times last game, which is great. That's a, that's a great number to try to keep yourself to. If you can keep it under like 13, you're doing great. Um, And he has been a low mistake scorer, which I didn't expect. But it's also been the way that he has impacted the game with his scoring, but also the layers of it. It's it's not just as a outside shooter, although that's where he makes most of his money here. He is operating in the DHO. He's driving to the rim for the floater. He's driving all the way to the rim and finishing through contact. Got to the free throw line and made three or four free throws. That was a great sign. Made an and one on a, on a four-point play. And... The way that he's shooting the ball and the way that he can get his shot off at 6'7", as opposed to a guard, uh, for example, a Bones Highland, there is a distinct difference between a wing getting their shot off after they are being fed the ball in a position to score versus a point guard that consistently tries to get their shot off when nobody else really touches the ball or everybody knows that when the ball gets back to that point guard, they're always going to be looking to score first as opposed to pass. Denver is in a great spot for a wing scorer off the bench. Whether it's Jamal staggering with the bench with the improved playmaking that he has, or it's Jalen Pickett like it was this last game, kind of setting the table for guys, or it's Zeke Naji who is running the DHO game, and uh, David Adelman actually gave him immense credit for this last game, uh, and running the DHO game saying that it's harder than people think it is, but he still did it pretty well. It was nice to see. It was really, really nice to see him handle that well. And it's nice to see Strother kind of take advantage of that. Because one of the things that we've noticed from Denver's bench specifically, and kind of the way that it's been constructed over the course of these last couple of years, is that once you trade Bones, there's no real... There's no real focal point as a scorer on the bench. And if you're going to go with five-man bench lineups, then you need somebody to shoulder that responsibility. 
One of the reasons I thought that Reggie Jackson would be very important was because he could do some of that for Denver this year. It's even better if Julian Strother does it because it allows Denver to get more creative with their lineups. And it, if they had to play a guy like Jalen Pickett, he can run the team and not feel like he has to do a whole bunch of scoring at the same time. Like he can just set the table for Julian Strother or Jamal Murray if he staggers into the game as well, or Michael Porter Jr., guys like that. But having a guy that you can consistently go to, especially when you've also got guys like Christian Brown and Peyton Watson who don't really project like lead scorers themselves, it would be good to have a guy like Julian in the rotation, somebody that could get hot every now and then, and he could win them a game. He really could. And that's not like, I don't think that's wishful thinking either. This is just the structure of what a rotation would look like for Denver. And it's interesting to think about. It really is. So if one of the concerns for Denver is that their offense is going to go off a cliff when the reserves come in, Strawler's a good guy to at least have in the loop. You don't have to make him the focal point. He doesn't have to be the sixth or seventh man, but make him the eighth man. Get him 15 minutes a game, 17 minutes a game. See where it goes from here. Like he could be a guy that averages 10 points off the bench for Denver, something that they weren't expecting. And if that's the case, holy cow, like Denver's prospects really change here really quick. And you allow a guy like Christian Brown, you allow a guy like Peyton Watson to pick and choose their spots a little bit better, as opposed to putting so much pressure on themselves that they actually screw up. So I love this. I think that the lineup makes more sense now. And the lineup that Denver threw out there yesterday, very small lineup, uh, but also like a very young lineup of Jalen Pickett, Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, Hunter Tyson, Zeke Naji. Probably not going to be the group that they go with, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went with Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji. And you still get a couple of defenders in that front court in Peyton and Zeke. And then Christian Brown is also kind of a roaming wing defender as well. He can defend at the point of attack or he could defend on the wing, whatever's more important. But then you have some insulation there. And that gives Denver options. And if Julian is a guy that they can trust in those situations to get some shots off, then who knows? Maybe he could be really helpful immediately. Now, he is a rookie. You don't want to get too far ahead of you on what some of these guys can provide, what what this actually looks like. But that's something that has really stood out and really stood out when I watched him. I actually got to watch him warm up. I got there at about 4.30 and he was warming up along with Hunter Tyson. And it was just very cool to see him make 80% of his threes from all angles of the floor in all methods. There was no specific move that he was struggling with, whether it's coming off of left, uh, going left, going right, uh, dribbling into a three, uh, pump faking and sidestepping, like pump faking and just going straight up. Like he was hitting everything from every direction. And that was kind of shocking to watch because I hadn't really sat down to watch him before. And there was a distinct difference between him and Hunter from a shooting perspective. So now I, I like Hunter and I think he's going to be good still. But I do think that Julian is ready and it just feels that way. He's insulated and teams will attack him. They'll try to get under his skin a little bit. They'll try to disrupt him for sure. But I do think that the Nuggets have a good plan of attack here. 
and they can bring him along fast or bring him along slow. And I think he's going to be ready. I think he he just looks like a player. And you can get that sense pretty early on with some of these guys of like, hey, does the moment look too big for you? Does the pace of the game feel off? Are there reads that you're making or not making that don't make sense? And none of that has happened. Like he he reads the court with Jokic extremely well, and that's already half the battle. <laughs> it's like if you just do all the good things with Jokic on the floor, then you're going to be fine. So very curious to see how this plays out. I wonder if he gets kind of buried behind Justin Holiday or Peyton Watson or Christian Brown when those guys come back. But I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing what happens because Michael Porter's probably going to walk into 30 minutes a game. Aaron Gordon's at 30. KCP's at 30. Maybe he's a little bit lower. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if, hey, Christian Brown's at 20 to 23. Peyton Watson's at 18. And then Julian's also at 18. Like if that's the case, then Denver's got some great versatility and some li- some lineups around Jokic and without Jokic that they can throw out there and be pretty happy with. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up uh, with what we still need to see from the Nuggets over the course of these next couple preseason games. We will be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Also subscribe to the Alley-Oop. I promise I'm going to stop saying that so often, but I uh, would love to be able to see those channels continue to grow. Those are my babies. Those are the ones that I put all the work into. And I am so tired, just just so, so tired. But it is so worth it. And I am. I know everybody's tired. That like This business, it just makes you so. But I, I'm very happy with how things have come out and I'm really excited for my coverage this year. And this is going to be, it's just going to be a good year, I think. And the Nuggets helped make it a good year too. Like if if the vibes were off, if there were things, I mean, it's yeah, the vibes are good. The vibes are good. Despite the fact that there's been a tragedy in the family, Uh, Brendan Malone passed away. Michael Malone still uh, away from the team. He will be back with the team in Los Angeles at some point. Uh, I wonder if he gets back on Tuesday, and if you listen to this, he may already be back, or at least they might be showing some social pictures of him being back. Uh, We'll see what happens, but the Nuggets have a game on Tuesday. They have a game on Thursday, both of them against the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm not sure if they're in the same venue. I think that they are. Uh, I'm also pretty sure that this is the last year that the Clippers are going to be at Staples Center or Crypto uh, and sharing a building with the Lakers. They're going to move into Inglewood and move into their own, uh, or maybe it's Brentwood. It's it's one of those two. I, I don't know California at all, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see them kind of break away from the Lakers, and, and maybe that will be the way that they could win a championship. Although, kind of doubting it. Kind of kind of doubting it, if we're being honest. But hey, no, who knows? We'll see. Uh, rooting, for the, uh, rooting for them to figure it out, because it's almost kind of sad at this point. Like, it's not funny anymore. Um, so, we will see. All right, what have we seen from the Nuggets? What do we still need to see? 
Uh, I like a lot of the combinations that we got to see with the bench. One of the things that I've really appreciated about Adelman and appreciated about the the rotations, he made specific mention of this on Sunday's postgame, was that the rotations really came together and really like what they wanted to see, what they wanted to do. It basically mirrored, I didn't actually release this hypothetical rotation that I had built uh, because just wrong timing to do so, but I I released something about things that I would like to see from the Nuggets going forward, and then they basically did it. So uh, it was good to see that, good to see for sure. Now that the starters have played basically three games together outside of MPJ, outside of Christian Brown, uh, I think that they're good for the most part. I don't really need to see anything more from the starting group in order to say that they are ready. I think that they're ready. I think that they've done what they need to do. I don't think that you can recreate the defensive intensity that they would need to show in order to be the best possible defense, the best possible defense they can be specifically. I think that they are going to be a great offense. I think that they're going to be a middling defense in the regular season, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, Maybe like 12th defensively and second offensively. That seems pretty standard for where they were last year. Uh, But I do think that the starters have shown enough. Jokic looks great. Murray looks great. AG looks great. Forgot to mention him, but KCP making some shots, making some plays. Thought he was miscommunicating a lot. Maybe not miscommunicating, but just either late on rotations or not reading the court on defense a couple times. He will dial that in in the regular season. That's not something I'm really concerned about, but just something I noticed. Um, And then Justin Holiday fit in reasonably well with them during these last three games. I remember George Carl used to do this as the Nuggets coach back in the day where he would have a starter go down and rather than break up the bench lineup that was so good for the Nuggets, especially kind of late in his career, 2011, 2012, 2013, he would bring on a third stringer. And the one that I remember is Joey Graham, uh, who was a third string small forward when Carmelo Anthony went out, Joey Graham came in one game and just scored and, and did great things for the for the Nuggets in their their starting unit, uh, replacing Carmelo Anthony. I wonder if Justin Holiday could do the same thing. Like hypothetically, let's say KCP goes down, or let's say Michael Porter goes down. Justin Holiday makes sense to just fill in twenty minutes in the starting lineup. Basically, the the five minutes, or uh, let's let's say the six minutes at the beginning of the first, second, and third, or beginning of the first end of the second, start of the third. And then if you need to close with Christian Brown, then you close with Christian Brown. If uh, Julian Strother's hot, you close with Julian Strother. Hopefully you don't need to close a bunch of games. That would be great. Denver, I think one of the things that Calvin Booth mentioned and one of the things that I hope the Nuggets take seriously at the beginning of this year is that if they blow a whole bunch of teams out by 35 points, then you don't have to come back into the game. You don't have to worry about the the extra minutes that would come in the fourth quarter of close games. Like you could be resting during that time. How cool would that be? That would be wild. I don't, I can't just assume that that's going to happen, but it'll happen occasionally. And if that were the case, then maybe Justin Holiday takes a part in some of those good starting lineups and doesn't really have to come back in. I could see him being a 20 minute spot starter. That sounds pretty reasonable. What I do want to see from the groups going forward. I would like to see Murray and KCP get some rest here. I would like to see Strother and Christian Brown and 
Michael Porter, obviously. I'd like to see them get some minutes with Jokic. If it's not Jokic, it's fine. Like he, he is the central piece of everything. Obviously, most important I think is for Michael Porter and Christian Brown just to play and just to get their sea legs under them before uh, the the end of the preseason. David Adelman said last Sunday that he thought that those guys would play by at least uh, the end of the preseason. I don't know if that makes them possibly available for this Tuesday game against the Clippers, but we'll find out. We we will find out together, obviously. I would like to see Michael Porter and Christian Brown play at least one game. I'd like to see them play together as well, because I think there will be some minutes where those guys have to play together on the second unit specifically. Like There's going to be times where Peyton Watson kind of struggles, or Julian Strother kind of struggles, or maybe not Christian Brown. Christian Brown's going to get the trust, but... Uh, maybe it's Hunter Tyson, or maybe it's Justin Holiday with the second unit. Whoever it is, kind of in that wing spot. Michael Porter's going to have to come back in early at some points. He's going to play late into quarters at some points. In the late in the first, late in the third, if he's shooting hot, you're going to want to see him play with Christian Brown and Julian Strother and uh, Peyton Watson and guys like that, and see how he plays with a second unit group. Uh, because I do think that there is a there's a market for that in Denver's rotation where. Let's say it's not Julian Strother as the the leading scorer in the second unit. Let's say it's Michael Porter. A lot of the same principles apply. They just need to set the table for him and he can do the rest, or at least that's the thinking. So imagine both of those guys playing together too. Now you're really cooking with gas. It's There's a lot to, to like about that. So I'd like to see some of those combinations with Porter specifically. Uh, beyond that, I'm not really seeing much that I'd like to see. Maybe DeAndre Jordan and Zeke Naji playing together. That would be a big lineup combination that I'd be interested in seeing because there are going to be times where Zeke isn't the right call for playing the power forward spot. There aren't too many times where you really need to go double big with the bench. And for the most part, I think Denver's okay when it comes to Watson or Tyson or Porter or Gordon staggering or whatever. For the most part, they're going to be fine with that. But if you have two bench guys and you need size, Zeke Naji, the biggest power forward on the roster, uh, he would make sense. He would just he would make some sense to be a guy who could add to that group if DeAndre Jordan was capable enough of, of filling that second unit center role. So would like to see that tandem. I wonder if that works better with Reggie or it works better with Pickett. I bet it's Reggie, but I, I who knows? Like we'll we'll just have to see. Um, and then, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I I don't really need to see that much else from the groups. I think I've seen enough combinations to know what works and what doesn't. Braxton Key, he's fine. He's, I don't think he's anything too special with this group, but who knows? Um, the other, uh, Colin Gillespie, he's also fine. I don't think that he's going to be more than fine with this group and that's okay. Like there's, there's perfectly reasonable. And there's a reason why he went undrafted. He's a guy who very talented and and had some really great shots and really great plays over the course of this last preseason game. But there's just some major size concerns that going up against anybody of consequence in third quarter minutes, fourth quarter minutes, he's going to be bothered. And that's okay. Like Denver's got to be better than having to rely on him specifically, but I think they will be. Um, I'd like to see Pickett start. I'd like to see Pickett start a game for Murray. 
get Murray the night off, and then Reggie run the second unit. Want to see what it looks like. Or maybe maybe you could flip those guys and it would be perfectly fine. Like having Reggie play with Jokic probably makes more sense anyway because he's going to do more of that in the regular season. But I do like the idea of Pickett and Jokic playing together. I just want to see what that looks like. I uh, haven't seen a ton of that yet. And there probably won't be a ton of regular season opportunities for that. But who knows? Maybe that's something that they get to at some point. Hunter Tyson looked pretty good. Peyton Watson looked better. Maybe a big lineup with Peyton Watson at the two and Michael Porter at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, Jokic at the five. That'd be pretty interesting. I'd, I'd be I'd be down to see that too. But for the most part, everything's pretty straightforward. Like I said, Denver doesn't need to show that much. They they showed enough to me uh, between their first three games. A couple of things that they needed to clean up against the Chicago Bulls, and they did. Would they have lost if they had faced Bulls starters? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I think their intensity would have picked up, and maybe the Bulls would have been fine. Maybe the Bulls would have been better. Maybe the Nuggets would have been better. Who knows? But what I do know is that most important things that we still need to see, Michael Porter on the court, Christian Brown on the court, and then some different combinations with the bench. I'd like to see Reggie with Jokic, and just kind of seeing where that goes from here. We will see what happens. But for now, folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I appreciate appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. I'm going to go to sleep now. It is well past, or it's not actually past my bedtime, but probably need to go to bed anyway. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will talk to you guys after tomorrow's game.